Greetings to all of you. This is the power of Thanksgiving. This is our Thanksgiving service, and I trust that you'll really be blessed and ministered to. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of your power and the power of your word. And we thank you, God, for all that you have done and for who you are. We open our hearts to you, Lord, and we say, come, come, Holy Spirit, and teach us your ways in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. I want to share with you on the power of thanksgiving. You know that an attitude of gratitude, gratitude is a very unique trait. It's a very unique trait. Grateful people sleep better at night than ungrateful people. It's actually been found that this is because they have more positive thoughts before they go to bed at night. Gratitude is such a powerful trait. In fact, there was some research that was carried out some years ago on people who were not really in a good place emotionally. And they each had to write out letters of gratitude to someone where they were really grateful for a particular thing that person had done or who, who they were in their lives. And what was interesting was that after they had handed these letters over to these individuals who had done wonderful things for them, um, their emotional well-being actually went up by 10%. Don't ask me how they measure that, but they managed to measure it. Their emotional well-being went up by 10%. And the people who managed to sustain this were people who ended up with what we call a gratitude journal, a gratitude journal. And a gratitude journal is basically where you write out three to five things. Some of you might use these, um, might have used these in the past. You write out three to five things on a daily basis that you are grateful for. And it's amazing how that literally conditions your emotional state and shapes your life. So when God wants us to live a life of gratitude, when God wants us to be grateful people, he's doing it not just for the recipients of our gratitude, but he's doing it also for us because it affects our emotional uh, well-being. I want you to listen today with agility because I'm going to be focusing on being grateful, our gratitude towards the people around us, but also our gratitude and our thanksgiving toward God. And if you, if you fully receive what I'm going to be sharing with you today, this can potentially set the course of your life. It literally can uh, shape your future when you embrace this principle. Amen. So here's an important life principle. You get what you appreciate. If I say to you, I really love the way you crack me up. You're so, so funny. What are you going to do the rest of the afternoon? You're going to be cracking lots of jokes. You get what you appreciate and you become what's appreciated about you by those around you. We see this happening in churches. We see this in the workplace. Okay, People become how they are seen by authority figures whom they respect and admire after five years. I see this happening. I coach lots of people and sometimes I see them being wounded and I'm assuming the wounds are from childhood. Then I ask more than two questions deep and you hear the person saying, you know what? I did A, B, C, D earlier on in my career, but it wasn't celebrated. People will always gravitate to where they're celebrated, not where they're tolerated. You know, it wasn't celebrated. Oh, I thought this presentation was really brilliant, but it wasn't appreciated in my organization. So I stopped focusing on that. I know of someone who grew up in an environment where sport was celebrated in this person's family, right? Uh, but this individual was very academic, very musical, and they ended up not overly emphasizing those particular things because that wasn't celebrated. You create culture by what you celebrate. As parents, I want to challenge you. You know, you create culture by what you celebrate and what you appreciate. 
So make a decision and say to yourself, what are we going to start appreciating more in the people around us? Whether it's a team that you lead, whether it's your family, what are we going to start celebrating more? And people literally become that particular thing. We see it happening in churches, don't we? If only evangelism is celebrated in the church, then you see everyone wanting to become an evangelist. If only the prophetic is celebrated in the church, everyone just focuses on that. You get what you appreciate. I know that in my own marriage, my, my wife, I was about to say my mom, I have to be careful of that. My wife becomes what I appreciate in her. When I speak to the treasure in her, what happens? She becomes more of that. Recently, she um, gave me some feedback and didn't like how I was coming across uh, just in terms of how I was being with the people at, at home. You know, uh, I was being a bit grumpy and uh, she gave me feedback around that. But later on, when she saw me being very sweet and ve being very tender, she caught me when I was doing the right thing. And she said, I want to catch you when you're doing the right thing. You see how you are right now? That's what we like. I really like this side of you. All right. What was she doing? She was appreciating how she wanted me to be. And of course, I then became more of that. So people become how they are seen by authority figures whom they respect and admire after five years. And children are a good example of this, aren't they? My kids, uh, if, if, if your kids are like my kids, well, uh, during holiday time or times when I'm always around them, what do they say? Daddy, watch me do this. Daddy, watch me do this. Daddy, who's a better soccer player, me or my brothers? And you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to say we're all the same. What is the child looking for? They're looking for validation and affirmation. And at a certain point, they internalize it, don't they? They internalize that validation and affirmation and they become confident people as they grow older. So people are leaving marriages today. Why? They feel taken for granted. They feel like my good nature is being abused, right? People are leaving jobs today. Why? They feel unappreciated. You'll hear people saying, although that job was high paying, I wasn't recognized. I wasn't appreciated. Now, your job as an individual is to focus on the Lord, to seek the honor that comes from God. Because sometimes you can seek appreciation and recognition from man, but then it's not happening. And sometimes God is involved in that process because he's training you up to rely fully on the honor that comes from him. Sometimes people can celebrate you, but heaven isn't applauding. So we want to be God-centered. We want to be straightened up toward him. But the responsibility we have is to celebrate and recognize and appreciate those around us. That's what we are called to do. So on the receiving end, we're called to deflect the glory to the Lord and give him praise and thanksgiving and to focus on the honor that comes from above. However, when we're dealing with other people around us, we are called to communicate appreciation. Um, a number of years ago, I was uh, doing some work for a particular engineering uh, organization and uh, there are a lot of engineers that work there and I was challenging them. It's a well-known company and I said, you know what, you guys, you engineers are just like auditors. You've been trained to spot the blips and it makes you a good auditor and it makes you a good engineer. You know, you know what they're like. Don't be offended if you're in that profession, okay? Um, but it makes you good because you're able to spot the gaps, cracks and leakages. So I said, you're brilliant at what you do. However, when it comes to managing people, you have a challenge because you end up doing what we call management by exception, where you only talk to people when they are doing the wrong thing. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, 
One-on-ones? Why do we have to have a one-on-one? Let's cancel it because there are no problems right now. We only talk when there's a problem. Now, that's not great. So I challenged them and I said, I want you to start a new management practice. I would like you, when you're preparing to go to work, to say to yourself, today I want to catch someone doing the right thing. And when I see them doing the right thing, I want to celebrate it because people will gravitate to where they're celebrated, not where they are tolerated. And I think that's so, so important as we focus on building the people around us. You see, appreciation reinforces people's sense of significance. People's sense of significance. When you communicate appreciation to the people around you, they feel significant. It's that sense of, I matter. I matter. And you'll see that those people who didn't pitch up to church, those people who didn't pitch up for meetings, all of a sudden they're starting to pitch up. Why? Because they feel like they matter. They actually make a difference. Now, I want to show you this powerful passage of scripture in Luke chapter 17, reading from verse 11 to 19. Right. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a, large, in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Very powerful. We've just been doing a series on healing and there's lots we can unpack there. Okay. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. I love that. Praising God in a loud voice. When we give thanks to the Lord, we need to not be ashamed of it. There are times when we need to do it in a loud voice. You know, some Christians have got this thing of only praising and thanking God when they are in church amongst other believers. But King David, he, he said, I will give you praise amongst the nations. I will give you praise in the midst of the people. So he was not ashamed. He gave glory to God. Verse 16, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Isn't that powerful? So he was radical about the way he went about thanking Jesus. And he was a Samaritan. Now, you know, the history there, you know, there was a lot of racism between the Jews and the Samaritans, right? Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I believe that there was a double blessing this leper experienced because he came back to give thanks. God is calling us to have hearts of thanksgiving. Yes, God blesses us. But when we come back and we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I believe something else happens because this person got a second touch from Jesus. He got a second touch, which the others did not get. But what I want to emphasize in this passage of scripture is that Jesus was shocked that the others didn't come and praise God. You know, sometimes we've got this thing where we think that the Lord is indifferent to whether we praise him or not, because he doesn't change. He's still God, whether we praise him or not. So sometimes we've got this thing where we think he's indifferent about it. But I want to share with you today that he's not indifferent about it, right? He's interested in whether we come and thank him. And I believe that there are times where we have Thanksgiving services uh, like today, and there are those who come and they praise God. And God is looking and he's saying, yes, you had your breakthrough and you're praising me. I appreciate it, but I'm concerned about all those other 40 people, all those other 100 people, all those other 1,000 people who I blessed. That person, a door opened for him. This one, I healed his son. That one, I healed his daughter. This one, I restored his marriage. But where is he? 
were not hundreds of thousands of people blessed by me, touched by me this year. But where are they? Why are they not coming and thanking me and praising me? And it's interesting how Jesus uses this concept uh, interchangeably. Thanking and praising. Thanking and praising. I want to challenge you. Are you praising God where you ought to praise him? Are you thanking God where you ought to thank him? It's so important as we come to a year like this, to the close of 2020. It's been a different sort of year. It's been a unique year, but you are still here. I want to encourage you to take time out, create a memorial around it and say, you want to thank God and do it. You know, we've been living in the house that we live in for 10 years. This month, it's 10 years. And I say to my wife, we need to have a time of communion and a time of praise and thanksgiving as a family because God has kept us. Amen. So Jesus was shocked by the ingratitude of these people. And my question is, could this be us today? Could this be us today? You see, we live in an ungrateful culture. And there are many reasons why people do not communicate appreciation to each other. If I just think of a family setup, okay, you'll find that very often someone has an attitude of, well, why should I thank you for doing that? Because I also do my stuff, right? So it cancels each other out. Why should I thank you for cooking a lovely meal? You don't thank me every day for going to work and uh, being the main breadwinner. That's the mindset a lot of people have. It's, it's, it sounds strange. Sometimes people glorify all their good deeds and they almost feel like because of all their good deeds and the sacrifices they've made, they don't need to acknowledge the little deeds other people have done, right? Or average deeds other people have done because that's their perception. I do all of this. You do just a teeny weeny bit. Why should I thank you for that? It balances each other out. That is wrong. That is wrong. Another reason why people don't give thanks uh, to each other is no one did it for them. You know those people who say, well, when I was growing up, it was really tough. No one thanked me. So why should I thank you? Other people have this mentality where they don't give each other thanks because they don't want to boost someone's ego. And it's so sad. You see this happening so often. You know, people go out to a function and someone's spouse is being praised. And what does that husband do or that wife do? They end up saying, hey guys, come on, just relax. He'll get a big head. You know, they play the role of the grand equalizer. When we are now thanking the person, they're now pulling the person down. Don't play God. Thank people who ought to be thanked. Give honor where honor is due. And let God deal with that person if the person becomes proud. But your responsibility is to communicate thanksgiving. Sometimes we don't give thanks to people because we don't want to place ourselves in a place of vulnerability. If I come to you and I say, Thank you so, so much for all your hard work and the sacrifice you've made. And thank you for helping me on that particular project. And I list a whole lot of things that you've done. At a certain point, I might feel vulnerable. I might feel exposed. I might even feel like, oh, you might think you're now one up on me. You know, there are times we're thanking people who've done things for us, but they're not even aware of what they've done. And we're afraid of uh, showing them what they've done because we think they might use that against us. They might have an attitude of, you owe me one. Ask yourself, why don't I thank people when I ought to? Sometimes we don't communicate thanksgiving because we don't know what we don't know. We don't actually recognize the weight of what someone has actually done for us. This is something for us to think about. Now, I want to encourage you. 
because you are powerful. You have the power to aspire. You have the power to dream. And the principles that I'm sharing with you today are weapons of righteousness that will shift the climate in your household, that will shift the climate in your business. You're a social architect. You create culture. This is so, so important. You create culture. And I want you to know today that gratitude is such a unique trait. Grateful people are happier than ungrateful people. Sometimes we've got this mindset where we think to ourselves, you know what, happy people are the grateful ones. No, it's the other way around. Grateful people become happy. You know, <clears throat> I was just reflecting on this recently and I realized that um, gratitude and thanksgiving is something we're trained to do from the time we're little kids right? It's something we're trained to do and we almost end up doing it by rote, don't we? You know, you say to a child, uh, here's a sweet, child is about to grab the sweet and what do we say to that child? Ah, what do you say? Thank you. And there's some people who do it by rote. Thank you, thank you, thank you, okay? But you can often tell when someone is doing it out of good manners and when someone is doing it from the heart, God is calling us to a place where we communicate gratitude, where we communicate thanksgiving, but from the bottom of our hearts. A deep attitude of gratitude. A deep attitude of gratitude. I think it's so powerful. In Colossians 4 verse 2, it says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So a person who is truly devoted to prayer finds their prayer life characterized by watching and thanksgiving. This is so crucial. If you want to be someone who's truly devoted to prayer, make sure that your prayer involves watching. And what do I mean by being watchful? We've done a whole teaching on uh, being a watchman and the characteristics of watching. Okay, uh, you, you view things with, a, with sober judgment. You look at life from a perspective of, I must be careful that I don't fall. Better men than me, greater men than me have fallen. You're watching in the spirit to see where's the attack of the enemy and you're warning people. It's so important to be strong when it comes to watching. And I used to say to people, I used to preach this a lot. Jesus said we must, we must pray, but he also said we must watch. Watch and pray. But I find this scripture very powerful because it says, devote yourselves to prayer. And what is that characterized by? Being watchful and thankful. Being watchful and thankful. And here's the interesting thing about thanksgiving. Often we limit thanksgiving to the past. But I believe that God is taking us to a dimension where we understand that we are called to thank God for what he has done, to thank God for what he's currently doing, and to also thank him for what he will do in the future, what has not yet manifest in the natural. Let me ask you a question. Gentlemen, listening to this message, if you're a married man, if you say to your wife, guess what? I've booked a holiday for you. It's for next April. It's your dream holiday. Now you haven't yet paid for it perhaps, okay? She hasn't yet experienced it, but you expect her to thank you there and then, don't you? And to be excited and maybe things to shift gears in your marriage. How will you feel if she only says thanks to you once she's embarking on that journey, going on that cruise ship or uh, taking that flight, you'll feel a bit like, hey, she hasn't appreciated me. Now think of all the promises that God has, has given you, has given me. He wants us to thank him with the same intensity that we would thank him when we are experiencing the fulfillment of those promises. You see, God is outside of time. 
And for God, that thing has already happened. In the spirit, it's already taken place. And you see, one of the greatest expressions of faith is thanksgiving. When we are thanking God intensely for what he will do in the future, we are demonstrating our faith in him. And that can be so, so powerful. So a person who is truly devoted to prayer finds their prayer life characterized by watching and thanksgiving. Watching and thanksgiving. And that's one of the things I appreciate uh, about our prayer meetings, how they're characterized by thanksgiving. And I know my wife is very strong on that, that we start off prayer with thanksgiving. We enter his gates with praise. This is so important. There's protocol in the spirit. There's protocol in the kingdom of God when it comes to how we approach um, God. I want to say this, an attitude of gratitude will cause you to do things you otherwise would not have done. This is so important. When you have an attitude of gratitude, there's certain things you will do that you would otherwise not have done. What I find interesting is when you read the account of the prodigal son, it's interesting how it talks about how he lived a riotous life. And one of the meanings of that riotous life, that way of living, it's a life of ingratitude. You saw this at university. Those of you who went to college, you would see this. You would see that the hardworking students often were the grateful students. They were grateful for the sacrifice that their parents had made to send them to university because of all the costs involved. But the ones who lived a riotous life, a certain lifestyle, you could see it was a lifestyle of ingratitude. When you're grateful for what God has done, when you're grateful for the salvation that you've uh, received, it changes how you end up living. Now, Here's the interesting thing. To appreciate is to recognize the worth of something. This is so important. See, when I appreciate my wife, I'm recognizing her worth and it affects how I relate to her. I begin to cherish her in a manner that I would not have cherished her if I was not grateful for her. This is so, so important. The Bible says, he who finds a wife has found a good thing. Now, when you don't recognize that it's a good thing, you don't walk in appreciation of it, and it will affect how you relate to the person. Um, some years ago, a friend of mine gave me a watch, a beautiful Raymond Vale watch. And what is interesting is, I was, I'm not that clued up about watches. And he comes from a background where his um, parents were jewelers and so on. And he's, he, he, he likes watches and he's always getting watches and just giving them away. And there was a time we were sitting, I think we we're having lunch or something together. And he just puts it around me, this particular watch. And he looks at it and says, you know, it looks good on you. Uh, would you like it? And I'm like, yeah, thanks. But you know that there are times where if you don't know the value of something, you can thank someone like they've just given you a chewing gum. You know what I'm talking about, right? Sometimes when you give your kids something nice and then they say, thanks, dad. And you're thinking, okay, that was quite a significant thing I was giving you. You know, like, I know you said thanks. I know there's a nice tick box there and you can tick it because you said thanks to me. But you're thanking me like I've just given you a chewing gum. And what is interesting is this guy's wife then said, do you know the value of a watch like this? Do you know what type of watch it is? And I'm glad that... Uh, she said this because I, I didn't know. I mean, it looked nice, but I wasn't fully clued up. And at a certain point, I went to a jeweler and I asked them to evaluate the watch. And I realized that, wow, this is a precious thing this particular person had given me. When you recognize the worth of something, you appreciate it and you protect it. My question to you is, do you recognize and do you appreciate what you carry in the spirit? Do you recognize and appreciate your local church? Because if you do, there's a way you cherish it. Do you recognize and appreciate your pastors? If you do, 
If you do, there's a way you will relate to them. Do you recognize your small group leaders? Do you recognize the people around you, their worth? This is so crucial. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, powerful scripture, it says, By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. I find this really amazing. What caused them to protect him? What caused them to hide him? They had a revelation of the fact that he wasn't ordinary. For some of you, you look at your children today and you don't know that they're not ordinary because they act like kids. Moses probably acted like a child, but there was that perception the parents had that there's something special here. My question to you is, do you recognize what is special in the people around you? Because when you do, you will protect it. You will preserve it. You will nurture it. You will feed it. Do you appreciate the spiritual gifts God has given you to steward? Because when you do, you will guard the anointing. There's a concept called guarding the anointing. You'll guard it. You'll protect it. You'll make sure it's not hindered by anything. There are things that will cause the anointing to lift over you. Sometimes a critical spirit does that. Sometimes pride does that. The Bible tells us that God resists the proud. Okay? Do you appreciate the value of the kids that you have? Do you appreciate the soundness of the teaching you get in your church? You know, because it's not prevalent in the body of Christ. There are many places where people do things um, with the mindset of the end justifies the means. Oh, if I want this, let me manipulate the church by preaching this message or preaching that message. Okay? And uh, we need to be responsible as pastors in terms of what we preach. There's some people in our church who will say, um, you know what, we so appreciate this church because we're well fed, we're well taught, we appreciate the soundness of this particular message, all right, of these messages. I was just sharing with the guys in our Pretoria East Church, and I said, do you know that behind the scenes, uh, sometimes I, when I'm interacting with Pastor Michael, he will come to me and he'll say, uh, this is what I'm going to be preaching on, this is what I'm thinking of preaching on, there's this particular concept, what's your take, you know, is this sound doctrine? You know, and it shows me that he's very careful about what he preaches. He wants to make sure that it's balanced. He wants to make sure it's biblical. All right. And um, that's so, so crucial. My wife and I behind the scenes, we give each other feedback. We talk about various things. We say, oh, maybe we should have expressed this differently. Maybe we should have said this. Maybe we should give context to this so that people are well taught and well fed and given a balanced diet. My question is, do you appreciate that? Thanksgiving is a key in glorifying the Lord. You see, if you look in scripture, you'll see that one of the primary ways we glorify God is actually through thanksgiving. And our goal should be to maximize God's glory in every situation, right? To be motivated by that. But will that give God glory? Will people thank God more when I do this, right? That's what we were created for. That's what God has called us to do. Now, you will see that for Paul the Apostle, thanksgiving being given to God Glory being given to God was his goal. It was his ultimate goal. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, the Bible says, All this is for your behalf, for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Right? That was his goal. In 2 Corinthians 9, 11 to 12, he says, You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service 
that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but what is it doing? It is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So there are many different expressions, many different ways of thanking God. Sometimes you can thank God through sowing a seed where you're saying, Lord, this is a thank offering. That's what used to happen in the Old Testament. I'm just giving you thanks for this year. I'm giving you thanks for keeping, keeping me. Okay. Sometimes we do it as part of praise and worship. Sometimes we give him thanks as an act of obedience where we're saying, I'm going to offer this act of service in thanks to you and I'm not asking for anything in return. Sometimes when we thank people, we thank them through an act of service, don't we? I can say to my wife, my love, I so appreciate all your hard work this weekend. You were so tired, but you served faithfully in the band. You served faithfully in terms of just cooking wonderful meals for us, despite the fact that you weren't feeling 100%. Let me do all the school drop-offs and pickups this week, just as an act of appreciation. Okay, That's one of the ways you can do it. Sometimes another expression of thanksgiving is through giving a gift. I remember there was a time recently I'd just been traveling and my wife was holding the fort, looking after the kids by herself, etc. And when I got back, I came with a gift and I said, this is for you just to say thank you for holding the fort. Okay, they're creative ways of communicating thanks to the Lord and communicating thanks to the people around you. It's so important that this becomes part of our DNA, part of what we do all the time. Okay, I know of someone who, um, as an act of thanksgiving, whenever it's his birthday, he literally makes a decision that, you know what, who can I go and bless? All right, and he will go and buy food for an orphanage, perhaps. He will go and uh, just buy gifts for people and do various things, right? And I just found this amazing when I saw him doing this because usually when it's someone's birthday, the mindset is gimme, gimme, gimme. But his mindset was basically, uh, what can I do as an act of thanksgiving? In the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 69, Psalm 69, verse 30, it says, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. I love that. How do you glorify God? With thanksgiving. That's one of the key ways of doing it. Okay. I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. Okay, so let's do that. So when last did you have an opportunity to give thanks to the Lord? When last did you have an opportunity to give thanks to the Lord? And have you noticed that very often we thank people when we should also be giving thanks to the Lord? Okay, now we should thank those people. But in comparison, we should be thanking the Lord more. One of the principles I like to live by is if I have a breakthrough in my consulting, in my business, before I've even updated my wife about it, I like to say, Lord, I thank you for this. And then I go and I talk about it. Many times we talk about things a lot, okay, a testimony, and we think we're glorifying God in that. But have we actually given thanks to him? And this is something for us to really reinforce in our children, isn't it? I'm trying to train up my children at the moment to use every opportunity they have to just give thanks to the Lord. And uh, one day recently, as uh, my kids were talking about their tests and exams and so on, as we at that time of the year, one of them said, and then I managed to guess certain things correctly, you know, because of my awesomeness, because of my awesomeness, I guessed this. And I said, you guessed and you got it correct. Don't you think you should be giving thanks to God? 
for that, all right? Often if my kids are praising themselves or saying a whole lot of nice things about themselves, I like to say to them, okay, that's interesting. So you're worshiping yourself again. I like to say that. Recently, one of my, my, my sons uh, came back with his exam results and he was sharing them with me when I, when I was in the car with him. And I said, have you thanked God for this? And then he bowed his head, you know? Uh, you know, and then he said to me, yeah, dad, I actually thanked God in advance, you know, like when I was praying for, for, for the exams, you know, before I did the exams, I was already thanking God for good results. Okay, so he wangled his way out of that one. I remember there was a time when I had traveled and I, um, in fact, my wife had traveled and I said to her, we really miss you. Home is not like you. We have this boarding school feeling. Those of you at boarding school know what I'm talking about, right? Where you get to back to boarding school at the beginning of term early and your friends are not yet there and there's that that cold sterile um just quiet um hollow feeling all right that you get uh, some of you know what i'm talking about and i said to her my love when you are not around because she had been traveling um it's like that we, i get that boarding school feeling right? It's like that when you're not around. And I was appreciating it. And then the Lord challenged me a bit later and he said, you are thanking your wife for the role she plays in your life. But have you thanked me for your wife? And, and this is so powerful. We need to be thanking God first, okay, for the people around us. And then we communicate thanksgiving to them. And you see that this was the culture that was created by Paul the Apostle, for example. He would do that a lot. He would keep saying in his narratives, we thank God for you. We thank God on behalf of you. There's continuous thanksgiving going up to the Lord because of what you have done. Continuously thanking the Lord for people. Every opportunity, we need to use that. We need to use that. Now, thanksgiving can be done at all times at all times. In Ephesians chapter 5, 19 to 20, the Bible says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think a better translation of this is in everything, in every circumstance, just give him thanks, give him thanks, you see. And this actually makes you more resilient as a person. It makes you more resilient as a person because you end up doing what we call mining the good stuff. Mining the good stuff. Where you're saying, I'm going to focus on the opportunity instead of the calamity. I'm not in denial about the calamity, but I choose to focus my energy and my strength and my passion and my praise on the opportunity in the calamity. It makes you mentally strong as a person. It makes you resilient. Resilience is the ability to bounce back quickly from setbacks. And as you have a culture of praise, it produces joy. It produces resilience. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay? This is God's will for you. Is every circumstance you find yourself in God's will? No, not necessarily. However, when you thank God in those circumstances, that's God's will for you. So thanksgiving is actually a sign of resilience. And let me just say something. Uh, it's been found that a lot of businesses that succeed... One of their core characteristics, in fact, it's actually a core characteristic and aptitude of an entrepreneur is determination and resilience. Determination goes hand in hand with resilience. It's been found that in the retail industry, when it comes to restaurants, uh, on average, they work out on the seventh try. 
on the seventh try. So a lot of the restaurants in the malls around us in these uh, shopping areas, etc. It's not because they're the best. It's because they're the most resilient and resilient. And that's why they've survived. That's why often you say to your friend, let's meet at the mall. Let's go to such and such a restaurant. You pitch up there and you think you're lost. Why do you think you're lost? Because it's not there anymore. Why is it not there anymore? They couldn't afford the rent. They couldn't afford the rent in that particular mall. Okay. And so it didn't work out. But the ones that survive are resilient. There's an opportunity here. We can survive. In fact, we will thrive. Let's give thanks for what we currently have. It's amazing what ends up happening. So when you give thanks during hardships, you're actually mining the good stuff. You're mining the good stuff. And that's what asset-based thinkers do. You see, you have an asset-based thinker and you have a deficit-based thinker. And asset-based thinkers, they see an opportunity in a calamity. Asset-based thinkers have been found to be generally more successful and effective in life, all right? And they feel fulfilled in life, but they're still a growing minority. So they're in the minority, but they're growing in numbers, right? And there's what we call learned optimism, where you can actually train yourself Okay, to be an asset-based thinker if you've come from a background where you're a deficit-based thinker. A deficit-based thinker tends to focus on, let me protect myself from danger. Let me protect myself from danger. So an asset-based thinker walks into a room and they're thinking, what's the opportunity here? How can I add value? A deficit-based thinker is thinking, am I dressed appropriately? How are people going to treat me? Okay, when you have a mindset of gratitude and thanksgiving, it helps you to become an asset-based thinker. Often the way I'll start off my day, I will say things like this. I'm so grateful that I'm always seeing people who are influential and taking my career to its next level. That's my mindset. But you know, there are other people who bump into exactly the same people throughout the day. But their mindset is, let me protect myself from danger. Who are all these people? What are they going to do? Are they going to criticize me? Are they going to shoot me down? Okay. So we can actually thank God for the personal assets we have. When you understand asset-based thinking, there's your personal assets, right? That's, I'm friendly, I'm passionate, I'm a quick learner, I am prayerful. Those are all things that no one can take from you. And it makes you powerful as a human being. We can also thank God for your relational assets. These are the wonderful people I've got around me. You know, there's some pastors who are always complaining about their congregations. And there's some pastors who are always celebrating uh, the, the, the worth of their congregations, the wonderful people that they've got. My mindset is I'm so grateful that there are all these powerful people around me who are saying, Paul, we want to follow your vision. For me, I'm grateful. I don't take that for granted. These wonderful people, gifted, graced by God, full of good character, who are saying, let's do this thing with you. Okay? Those are my relational assets. And you know what? You are a happier person when you're continuously thanking God for those relational assets. Okay? Um, we can also thank God for our situational assets. Okay, that's the opportunity in a calamity. Let me give you an example. There was a time I was coaching someone. He was heading up software in a particular bank. And I said to this individual, I said to him, how are things going? It was a normal coaching session. And he said to me, Paul, you know what? It's a bit sad at the moment because there are two guys who are leaving. They're going to greener pastures. And one of them was a star performer of ours. And I said to him, and I had what's called an asset-based conversation with this individual. And I said, okay, what's the opportunity though? 
And he said to me, Paul, it's not all doom and gloom because uh, these, these roles are not actually core to our business. And to be honest with you, we've actually always wanted to put in contractors in their place, but we couldn't because uh, these guys were permanent staff. But I guess now we have an opportunity to do so. Right. So that's something to be thankful for. That's something where he could have said, I'm grateful for this particular thing. That's a situational asset. I want to encourage you, whatever negative situation you're in, write it out. And next to each negative thing, just also write out where the opportunity lies. What's the opportunity in that negative situation? Sometimes an opportunity to grow as a person. Sometimes an opportunity to grow in patience. Sometimes an opportunity to redo how we've always done business and then structure yourself for growth. There's so much opportunity for us to just be thanking God and thanking the people around us. Uh, one of the statements I want to make is, don't lose what you have because of what you lost. There's a particular lady who teaches uh, on resilience. She's a thought leader in resilience. And she went through some tragedy where a number of years ago, she lost in a car accident um, her teenage daughter. She lost her teenage daughter some years ago. And um, she was going through the bereavement, going through the grieving as any mom would go through. And at a certain point, she just had this knowing that, you know what? I've got a son. I've still got my son and this son needs my love and needs me. And that's where she came with this quote, with this uh, phrase where, you know what? I cannot afford to lose what I currently have because of what I have already lost. And she made a decision to still be loving her son and being there for her son despite what she had lost. And I'm not saying it's an easy thing, but some of you have been through hard times. But just make sure you don't lose what you still have because of what you lost. Now, you will only give thanks to the degree to which you notice the good around you. And that's why it's important to train yourself to be an asset-based thinker. Focus on your personal assets. No one can take them from you. I'm not talking about houses and cars. I'm talking about courage. I'm talking about joy. I'm talking about spirituality. Okay, focus on your relational assets. All these people you have around you. If you need an electrician, you've got one. If you need someone to teach you piano, you've got someone, right? Those are relational assets that, you, that you've got. If you need someone to look after your kids, there are people there who love your kids, who are saying, yes, can I step in? And then your situational assets, the opportunities in those calamities. You see, you will only give thanks to the degree to which you notice the good around you. If you never notice good things around you, you'll be like, well, there's nothing to thank for. There's nothing to thank for. All right. Now, Thanksgiving is a culture that can be created. You create culture by appreciating the good in others. This is so important. And then they end up replicating the behavior that you appreciate in them. Right. And it's a powerful tool you can use when you're training up your children. So, for example, sometimes we want to focus on a certain area of discipline with our kids. Maybe we are focusing on um, good manners, right? What do we do? We need to appreciate it when they're displaying good manners. My love, it was really amazing today. I noticed how Jaden greeted the teacher without the teacher greeting him. Jaden, I appreciate that. I'm so proud of you, right? What are you doing? You're creating culture. You're creating culture. And we need to figure out how to create a culture of thanksgiving. One of the key ways you do it is you systematize it. So you have a time maybe each year where you say, this is a time of thanksgiving. This is a time of thanksgiving where we are honoring God, giving thanks to God, but we're also giving thanks to the people around us. 
And as I've been saying, you get what you appreciate. You get what you appreciate. So important. And people will gravitate to where they're celebrated, not where they are tolerated. Someone once said, what you think about and what you thank about is what you eventually bring about. So what are you thanking about? Because that's what you become. That's what you become. Now, I shared with you earlier on that you can create rituals for Thanksgiving. You, you can give thanks verbally. All right. Hey, thank you so much for doing that. You can give thanks with a card. You know, the old school way of doing it where you write out something. They can stick it up in front of them and know I'm appreciated for this. You can also do it with a gift. You can also do it through acts of service through acts of service. You can actually set seasons of thanksgiving in order to systematize thanksgiving. And it's very powerful. I encourage you to do that. I also highlighted to you that thanksgiving should not be limited to the past or to the present, but you can also give thanks for the future. It's so important when that's embedded in you. When God challenged me with this, he basically challenged me with regards to the posture I had in faith. And he showed me that I need to start thanking him, knowing that I've already received a particular thing. And um, I started thanking him for all sorts of things. I started saying, Lord, I thank you for my, my son's marriages. I thank you, Father, for uh, the wonderful wives that you've blessed them with. Now, they're not yet at that age, but I was thanking him with passion as though it had already happened. Why? I'm believing it's happened in the spirit and I'm receiving it with thanksgiving. You see? Uh, so gratitude literally creates uh, culture and it shifts the climate in your household. My question to you is, what are you grateful for in our church? And are you giving thanks for things that are going to happen in the future? Lord, we thank you for the wonderful building that has been built. We thank you for all the finances that have come through. This is so important. Declare it, you see. Um, one of the things I've realized is that when there's a culture of gratitude, it literally affects the climate. One of the exercises I like doing in my seminars is to ask an organization, what do they appreciate about their organization? And I say to them, just shout out all the positive things. And you just hear these people, the culture, the people, the flexibility, the learning opportunities. And they shout these things out. And I say to them, can you see what's just happened? There've been about 40 compliments that have just flown around in the room. 40 gratitude statements that have just flown around in the room. 40 positive statements that have flown around in the room. How are you feeling right now? Oh, I'm feeling great. What's the climate you're feeling in the room? Oh, it's just amazing. And I say to them, you know what? You can hear this from your own mouth on a daily basis. When you state those gratitude statements as affirmations every day, as you're driving to work and you're saying, I'm grateful for this, I'm grateful for that, you will end up seeing it and experiencing it all the more because your words create, your tongue is a rudder that literally shapes the direction of your life. And this is so important. So we need to apply gratitude to the past, to the present, and to the future. And um, I have begun to thank God for things in my future. And this actually releases faith. Now, let me show you the scripture for this. In Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, this was so powerful when I saw it. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. So we know that one of the things that causes anxiety is when we don't do what the scripture says we must do. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests 
to God. And the peace of God, so how do we get peace? By praying, by making these requests known to the Lord. But I want to show you something so powerful. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, here's what I found. A lot of believers like to separate their petitioning from their thanksgiving. So it's almost like, let's thank God for all the things he's done in the past. And they begin to thank God for all those things. Now, let's petition him for what we want in the future. But that's not how I read this scripture. Because this scripture says, but in every situation by prayer and petition. So that's the subject matter. It's, it's a, this is a verse that is talking about praying and petitioning and making your request known to God. But embedded in it, it says, do it with thanksgiving. So I believe it's not just talking about, oh, just have a grateful heart for what he's done in the past. There's a place for building those memorials. But I believe that here it's emphasizing something else, that as you petition the Lord concerning certain things, as you present your request to the Lord, begin to thank him for those particular requests that you are making. Begin to thank the Lord in advance. And I believe that it's so, so powerful, you see. So for a lot of Christians, their thanksgiving is disconnected from their petition. And I want to encourage you, don't disconnect the two, but begin to thank the Lord very often for what he will do for you. We thank him for the past. We thank him for the present. But we also thank him for the very things we are currently praying about um, right now. Now, affirmations are basically gratitude statements, aren't they? And uh, I wrote out 28 affirmations in 2004. Uh, I was in Seattle at the time when I did it. We were at a seminar there and we were learning about the power of these affirmations, positive statements you make about yourself. But I see affirmations as gratitude statements. And here are some of the ones I made. I always influence the people around me to think kingdom and they love being around me. Christ lives in me and I enjoy reflecting him in all I say and do to give others a picture of his heart. I've enjoyed seeing lasting cultural transformation come into my world through the best-selling world-class material I've developed. Now, here's the interesting thing. I wrote this out in 2004, but I only did my first book in 2005. But what was I doing by that affirmation? I was basically stating it as a gratitude statement of something the Lord was still to do in my life. Okay? Uh, I'm a servant leader who enjoys lessening the load uh, for my leaders and followers. Okay, um, I net at least X per month, which is normal for me, right? I'm a pastor who influences greatly beyond the church building walls, and I'm graced to do it, right? I was saying all of these particular things. I'm a reformer on our continent and love the way I have influenced people through my writings and talks. Now, some of these things have taken place already. Some of these things I'm still waiting to see what God is going to do. But when I state them as gratitude statements, I'm already thanking God as though it has already happened because it's taken place already in the spirit. So when you make these affirmations, just remember they're personal, right? And that's why I'm saying I, 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 because I'm not using the royal we. I'm declaring it over myself, all right? Don't shy away from that. You're receiving the promises of God. They're also stated in present tense. You know, your subconscious mind, your heart, right? Your soul doesn't pick it up if you put it in the future. If you say, I will hopefully one day uh, in the future, all things being equal, be. No, we are a prophetic people and we make prophetic declarations in the present tense saying, I thank God that I am this, right? Because God is outside of time. Everything is present tense. 
to God. Okay, so it's stated in present tense and your affirmations are stated with passion. I will give thanks to you, Lord, in a loud voice. Okay, uh, it's stated with passion. Right. You're immersing yourself into it. And I'm not going to go into the psychology of that, but it's very important to immerse yourself in what you're declaring. And then affirmations are stated in the positive. I'm not talking about what I don't want to be. I'm talking about who I am, who God has called me to be. And that's what I'm declaring over my life. And just remember your subconscious, your heart, your soul does not distinguish between fact and fantasy. That's why when you're watching a scary movie, if those of you who watch scary movies, I don't know why people do that. But anyway, if you're watching a scary movie, what happens? You know that ah, this actor acted in that other comedy we watched two weeks ago, right? You know that. You know that it's fiction. But because of the sounds, because of um, the music, because of what you can see visually, what happens? Your heart is picking it up. Your heart is picking it up as real, as true, as fact. And that's why when you go to bed at night, it's hot nowadays, you open the windows and so on. And, um, you know, your curtain is being blown by the wind and so on. And you're thinking to yourself, that thing is going to jump into my room right now. Right. Why? Why do you end up dreaming about it? Because your heart is picking it up as factual. So when you make these declarations, even though you're declaring things that have not yet happened, even though you're thanking God in advance for things that have not yet happened, I want you to know that your heart is picking it up as something that has already taken place, something that is you, something that is so, so real. And guess what? As you embrace it, you're actually creating it. You see, things are created twice in a sense. They're created in the spirit first, and then we pull them down by faith with thanksgiving, with these requests we are making, these petitions into the natural realm. And I think it's so, so powerful. I want to say to you, don't say things like, oh, I'm not good with names. Because when you say things like that, you know what? Your subconscious is like a little man in your basement. And it goes down to the section of your brain that uh, remembers names and shuts it down. It says, we don't remember names around here. What you declare is so, so important. Begin to say, you know what? I'm growing in my understanding and my memory when it comes to names. I know that my dad is John. I know that my mom is Rosemary. I know that my wife is Tracy. And my kids are Samuel, Jaden, and Daniel. I'm growing in my understanding of names. Okay? And guess what? Your subconscious mind is like that little man in your basement. It will go and open up the section of your brain that remembers names. What you say is so, so important. And that's the power of, um, of thanksgiving. I want to land this message by giving you some practical ways in which you can communicate thanksgiving to the people around you. I've shared with you some of these, but I want to give you a bit of a, a way of categorizing them. You thank God, and the, the acronym I'm going to use is DAP. You thank, you thank people for their deeds. That's the first thing. That's the D. Okay? This is where you say to someone, I'm really grateful that you went to the shops and you purchased this for me. Okay, you thank them for their deeds. And then the A is ability. This is where you would say to someone, you know what? We really missed having you in the meeting today. We appreciate your analytical skills. Okay, that's their ability. And then the P is personality. You thank people for their personality. You appreciate their personality. Let me give you an example. My wife said to me some, some years ago, she was hosting a function at our house and uh, I was away somewhere and came late. And when I arrived, she said, oh, I'm so relieved you're here. You can bring in your bubbly, sunshine, yellow personality that will take the pressure off me. And I found that very powerful because I was being appreciated because of my personality. I hadn't even done anything. I hadn't done anything. 
It's a powerful way of boosting someone's sense of significance. So when you next have an opportunity to appreciate someone, appreciate their deeds, appreciate their ability, and appreciate their personality. This is so, so important. You get what you appreciate, and people become what you appreciate in them. They will replicate the behavior that you actually appreciate, okay? And um, another principle I want to share with you as I land this is... When you are communicating appreciation, highlight the benefit to you, okay, in terms of what they've just done, how did you benefit from it, and the sacrifice involved. This is so, so crucial, and a lot of times this is where we fail. What do I mean by this? I will say to my wife, my love, thank you so much for uh, taking the kids to your folks on Thursday, right? Um, I know you weren't feeling 100% and you're feeling quite exhausted because you had a tough night the evening before. So thank you for that. What am I doing? I'm acknowledging the sacrifice involved. You see, very often we say thanks to people and the person is like, yeah, the person thanked me, but they don't know what it actually took to do that particular thing. So acknowledge the sacrifice involved. You know, I can go and I can counsel people. And there's some people, after counseling them for a few hours, they can say, oh, thanks, pastor. Like I've just given them chewing gum. And then there are others who might say, you know what, uh, pastor, thank you so much. You've come to us and it's after hours. You could have been with your family. We're actually going to send a message to Pastor Trace right now to say thank you for releasing your husband. Okay, uh, because we know you're very busy and you could have been doing something else. That's someone who's acknowledging the sacrifice. The second thing is acknowledge the benefit to you. What do I mean by the benefit to you? I can say to my wife, my love, thank you so much for taking the kids to your folks on Thursday. It actually freed me up to be able to watch my soccer in peace. It freed me up to be able to uh, do all that editing I needed to do on that particular book. You're actually acknowledging how you benefited from the situation. So, so important in our relationships. I want to encourage you as you go from here to um, really look through the notes. They're there. We have them on PDF on our website, www.gochurch.co.za. Work through it and make sure that you have a culture of thanksgiving in your life. Firstly, to the Lord and then also to the people around you.